0: Well this is the beginning of the holiday with the holiday of 4th of July and it is a time in which you know we we celebrate and we give thanks as as a country and it's interesting that as we celebrate with fireworks the the evenings are filled with the boom and it just terrifies our animals that we are reminded that well the life that we have here in this country it was made possible through many battles, and those battles were fought. And, and even our national anthem puts into poetry and song, you know, from the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air. A sword in all of its various forms was necessary, sadly, for us to be free and the people that we are. We appreciate those who have given their lives in service, those who have given their lives um, in our country, so that we can have the freedom that we do. This call to arms, this fight for freedom, you know, throughout the history, beginning with George Washington onto the present day, we have a standing on the, on the wall, looking back to what is and now looking forward we can only say our thanks. But this call to arms, uh, we understand it from our nation's leaders. We sure don't understand it when it's in the mouth of Jesus, right? Well, what in the world was he talking about today? I have not come to bring peace on the earth, not peace, but a sword. Those are definitely not words that we are comfortable with hearing in the mouth of Jesus. And so how are we to make sense of these words when the angels proclaimed at his birth that Jesus has been born and he comes to bring peace on earth, peace to all people, all nations, not just America, but all. Did Jesus not himself say as an adult, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest, peace. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises specifically in Isaiah that he is the prince of peace. Jesus said, I come to give you peace not as the world gives but real lasting peace. And yet as we hear these words, it sounds very much like the peace of Jesus comes at the price of any other worldly peace, at the edge of a sword in all of its various forms. So, how can we not think this when we consider that by the very nature of what a sword is, it is an instrument of death. There is no other purpose for it, or perhaps only then to threaten So, uh, thoroughly those who would come against the sword, that there's no possibility of winning, so to stand down and and allow us to have our freedom. These words and the possibility of uh, being bloodied and put to death by them, uh, this is a, a very disturbing, and we wonder, well, why would Jesus say these things? But if you've been paying attention to the readings in the gospel the last Three weeks now, this is the third week. We've been stuck in chapter 10 of Matthew. And it's a long field manual, a training manual for disciples who are going out into the world. Jesus is preparing his own for their own ventures in his name. But he wasn't preparing them to be an armed militia. Remember in chapter 10, he said, do not take an extra coat along. Don't take money in your bag. Uh, You're just going to stay with people who welcome you. If you find a person of peace, you're going to stay there and you're going to be proclaiming not a message of believe or bleed, but a message that the kingdom of God has come. It is hard to put this all together and it was certainly hard for the disciples of Jesus to understand how he could ever be talking about a sword and not actually want to use it. Beginning with, Peter, In the garden of Gethsemane, the soldiers have come to arrest Jesus, to take him by force. And Peter knows that he has a sword and he is ready and he lunges to protect his Savior, the cause of Christ. And separates the ear from the head of a poor man. You remember what Jesus said in that moment as swords are drawn. He said, put your sword away to Peter. For those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Do you not know that I could call a thousand legions of angels from my Father? But if we do that, how then can I not fulfill the will of him who sent me? Jesus has not come to give us a call to arms, but to call us to the reality that he himself is the sword, or more precisely, his word is the sword that will divide even family ties, that will divide husbands and wives, children and parents, in-laws and outlaws. Jesus, and what he says, calls for an allegiance, that he be number one in our lives. And you can't have him number one and someone else above, even if that person is father or mother your in-laws, or your beloved child. You see, the first commandment is first by design. The greatest commandment is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You cannot have another above. The second of the greatest commandments is secondary to the first, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself, even if that neighbor is called mother or father. And now setting This order of love in its proper order. For any who would find a different order of love, Jesus declares with his sword up his mouth, You are not worthy of Those are hard words to hear. But Jesus, he goes on even further, not only dividing families, but even dividing the person even piercing into our own souls as he says, whoever does not take up his own cross and follow me is not worthy of me. This allegiance to our commander-in-chief, to the one who is king over the entire world, would have us set aside our own lives in what we want and what we think and what we believe to be right and true and that he and he alone is the soul, one who will determine everything about what is true and right and good. You see, this, soul, this sword does pierce our own souls as we consider um, our own pretense our own sentimentality about Jesus. I mean, we all showed up on a holiday weekend in worship. We had a lot of other things we could have done, but we're here. And so this pretense that we have in our own minds is that somehow, you know, we are on Jesus' side, you know, and that we do love him. And it's, it's easy to be on the cause of Christ and on his side when he agrees with what you already think and already believe. It's much harder When his word slices into what you hold dearly and those to whom you hold dear. For there he divides bone and marrow. And there he calls for allegiance to him and him alone. And there we find that we are not worthy. For we choose ourselves and what we think is right, what we want to believe and hold as the truth. But of course... None of us are worthy. None of us. That's the whole point of the cross that Jesus himself has picked up and has carried all the way to the hill of Golgotha. And there, there we find that God's plan to bring peace to the earth is not at the edge of a sharp sword, but at the point of nails that went through the hands and the feet of Jesus there God brings peace between himself and humanity that is completely unworthy of his love, unworthy of life with him. And Jesus takes that unworthiness into himself and there brings peace with God. And he says to you, Now, through my blood, you are worthy. Now, through my sacrifice, you are family. Now, through my resurrection, you will never have to be unworthy. You will never have to be excluded and at the sharp edge of judgment ever again. This is the peace that the world cannot take because it doesn't come from the world. It comes from God himself. You are at peace with God. And take a moment just to let that sink in that there was no army involved, there was no power involved, it was a giving up and self-sacrifice, it was the cross, and it was done for you. And not just you, Americans, but for all the people of every nation, of every time. Our Lord Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, and calls us to a fidelity to himself, and there. There is the edge of division. There's the reason that he said, I come to bring that sword to the world because not everyone is going to believe and receive this message. And what is our response? Take up your sword and fight for the cause of Christ. Take up your cross and bear patiently with those who disagree. Take up your cross and speak the truth in love. Take up your cross and pray. It seems weak, and yet these are the weapons of the Spirit. These are what the Holy Spirit uses, the message of the cross. Your love, your sacrifice with your family that would disagree with you. Your family that perhaps is far from the faith. Your weapons are prayer and patient and long-suffering endurance to be the light of Christ, the love of Christ. And those who will receive you, they receive Jesus, and they receive the one who sent Jesus, and through the Spirit, they receive the reward of receiving. What is that reward? But the same peace that you live in right now, the same grace you live in, the same forgiveness, the same promise of eternal life, with God at peace. May the Lord then give us eyes to see our purpose, not only as a country, not only as a congregation, not only as a family, but as a worldwide movement of followers of Jesus to pick up our cross and follow him into this venture of sharing him with the world.